welcome back to another episode here of All Things Football, coming at you from a wild, crazy week 10 that honestly we thought was going to be really lame, but ended up being one of the best weeks of football we've had so far. Just goes to show you can never really predict how these things turn out, but Chase, how are we feeling? Feeling great as week 11, you know, week 10 ends, week 11 starts. I'm just loving every moment because I know that here pretty soon, you know, come February, we're going to be without football again. So cherishing even even the bad weeks that turn into good ones. Listen, it's, I mean, with college, we're only like three more weeks of football away. You have like two more weeks of the regular season, then conference weekend, and like three weeks, the championship weekend. And then obviously, you know, for the four teams, obviously bowl season. I mean, you know, the playoffs coming yeah. in January, but like the college season is like almost already over. It's like just yes. like that. So luckily, obviously, I'm glad that the NFL season goes a lot longer than college, so we can at least keep us going there. But um, uh, but it's going fast. It's going fast. Wrapping up week ten for you, going on to week eleven. So we got um a lot to recap. Like I said, a crazy, crazy week, and it was weird because like previewing this, it was like, man, there's not very many good matchups here at all. But obviously, the NFL script writers had something in store for us that we just didn't know. Um, and they surprised us with a lot of things that we're going to get into. So we'll go ahead and recap week 10, dive into week 11. Let's go ahead and get started. This is All Things Football. All right, Jay. So before we get started here with the recap, let's talk some league news. Um, so this came out, it's, it's, um, it came out like last week, it was like the day after we recorded, so we have to sit on this for a week, but wanted to talk to you about it here. So um, it was been recently released here that now all college juniors who declare for the draft will now be eligible to play in the Shrine Bowl, Senior Bowl, or HBCU Legacy Bowl. Um, now this has um, an impact because last year, 69 juniors entered the draft, but could not play in any All-Star game. All right, so 69 players, that's a lot. So this year, obviously, they can't. So what are your takes here on this where now these juniors um, are going to be eligible to play in these all-star games that have previously only been reserved for seniors? Yeah, um, I think it's good for the juniors coming out, right? Anytime you get more tape on the film, right? I mean, the Senior Bowl and the Shrine Bowl, those are really big. We've talked about how much more important than the Combine those are, you know, because they're in pads, doing drills by people that actually know them, right? or people that actually know the college game transfer, right? Not just some random scouts throwing a ball 90 yards down the field. The only thing is, is it hurts the seniors that actually needed this, right? If you're a junior coming out, there's a chance that you're going to get drafted, right? If you're a junior taking that chance, there's a shot that you're already the guy, right? Like Marvin Harrison coming out his junior year, he's already the guy, right? He could have came out his freshman year and been drafted. So he doesn't need to put more film on this. So he probably, I'd be surprised if Marvin Harrison plays in any of these, but like the Tajay Spears, right? Who needed a little bit more film, needed to impress a couple more people at the senior bowl, like he did end up getting drafted in the third round. Now he's out snapping Derrick Henry in the Titans, right? That Those guys are going to hurt from this. So it's going to be interesting. Maybe this causes more draft booms in later rounds, like the as these guys that are studs, you know, like the Max Crosby's, the Tajay Spears, they drop farther and farther down, you know, maybe get more undrafted superstars, more, you know, there's there's a shot there. But I think that hurts it more than it helps the juniors. So I'm it's it's fun. It's cool. I'm kind of against it. It ruins the name Senior Bowl, too, like Senior Bowl. Yeah, now the juniors playing. Yeah. But yeah, that's my take on it. Yeah, no, I imagine they'd have to change the senior bowl to, to you know, to something else, obviously, because it's not exclusive. I mean, when I first when I first heard this, I was like, 
okay, no big deal for me. Like it didn't really matter to me. And I was talking about it with my buddy Andrew and he was like, exactly what you said. Like if you're, if you're a junior entering the draft, like most likely like you're, you're the guy, like you're a guy at least like, you know, you're going to get drafted, right? You don't need to stay another year to put more film on tape, try to get better, like refine some things. Like you're, you're pretty much already the guy and you know you're going to be able to make it. Whereas these seniors typically, right, they stay the extra year because they don't have that certainty. So they need all the help that they can get. You know, obviously some of them just stay because they want to stay. Um, but for the most part, you know, they get it. But that, that being said, you know, 69 players like last year, like missing out on the extra opportunity, um, you know, obviously not all of them are the, you know, are the guy, right? Yeah. Only probably about like 15 of those are like really the guys for, you know, hundred percent. Oh yeah. This guy's yeah. going to get drafted. So um, I think it's beneficial. Obviously the juniors will see, you know, what happens, you know, if they kick out the seniors, I think maybe they're just going to have to, it might be like a little bit longer process. Now, obviously this just means that they're, that they're eligible. It's not necessarily mean that they're going to go right. Like you said, like Marvin Harrison, like he probably is not going to go to one of these, right? So that'll free up a spot. Like it's just saying that, for the juniors that do want to go and do this, take advantage of it. They are eligible to now do so. So I think we're not going to see a lot of the superstars go and do these things. Like even the seniors don't do that, right? The superstar seniors don't do it. Um, so the superstar juniors are like 100% a sure thing. Like they're not going to go in. So it's going to be more of the fringe juniors who pretty much have a shot, but still want to get a little bit more work in, get a little bit reps and kind of show it up. So I don't think it's going to be like this huge thing. Um, overall, I think it'll probably be a net positive. Um, this is going to be, you know, a weird thing, kind of getting used to whatever we're used to just kind of seeing the seniors um, in this, at that specific, um, games and, and practices and things like that. Yeah, no, I agree hundred percent. All right. Now to some big news. Um, second, you know, we've had, we covered the whole Raiders debacle, you know, with everything here. So another coach has been fired. Um, not the head coach, though. It is the Buffalo Bills after last night's strange ending and loss to the to the Denver Broncos. The the Buffalo Bills have relieved offensive corner Ken Dorsey of his duties. Um, he's no longer going to what well, fired. They fired him. Um, they fired him, yeah. and Joe Brady is going to step in and not be the offensive coordinator the rest of the season. So. Um, Bills are at five and five. I've come off of two losses straight. Something wasn't going right. They decided that was the office coordinator. They let him go. What are your thoughts on this? Is is he really the guy to blame? Is this the scapegoat? Is it somebody else that needs to go? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think I think uh, Kevin Dorsey's the scapegoat, and it's sad to see. Right, Kevin Dorsey had a lot of. Uh, potential as a play caller that first couple of uh, seasons with the Bills. I know he was the quarterback coach, got promoted when uh, DeBole left. He looked pretty decent last year. That offense hadn't been humming at what they thought it should be. I think we've been talking all year. The Bills were maybe a little overhyped as much as I am a Josh Allen stan. I think he is a stud. That team is not up to where everyone thinks they are, right? So I think Kevin Dorsey was going to be like, go. We'll see how Joe Barry does, right? Joe Barry was the mastermind of the Joe Burrow uh, LSU championship, right? And he went, and I forget which NFL team. I think it was the Panthers, right? They Panthers. hired him. Yep, they hired him. He was awful. That offense looked pitiful. So maybe, like, maybe he could bring that with a better quarterback with Josh Allen. He could bring that, uh, you know, LSU magic back. Or if it's going to be a repeat of what we've seen with the Panthers under Matt Rule. So 
I, I don't know. I, I really do think this is just a scapegoat. And I think it's a weird time, right? You, I mean, you, you've got to fight for your season. You're going to do something drastic as change. You know, maybe it can inspire the guys like it does the Raiders. I just don't see this inspiring the Bills. The Bills are way different uh, culture than the Raiders, right? The Raiders kind of have that hard-nosed ruhaha, right? And uh, the Bills seem not to. Every time they are faced with turmoil, they seem to melt away like the Wicked Witch or the West. And uh, I can't even think, Wizard of Oz. So I'm not sure that they are they are the team to be rallying around Joe Barry and have this come out fighting. But we'll see. They got another big game coming up, right? Actually, from now on, all a lot of big games, all of them. Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll see what happens. I do think this is just a scapegoat, right? You're doing bad. Someone's got to go. It's easy to fire offense coordinator. Yeah, it's just I agree. He's getting scapegoated. It's just such at a weird time because the the Bills' offense. I mean, yes, it's been a problem, but the Bills' offense scored, <laughs> and then the defense and special teams lost in the game. We'll get into it when we recap it more. But so it's just weird to me where it's like, if I mean, as as much as they were struggling and stuff, like. They the offense put them in a position where they should have won, and defensive special teams let them down, which ironically has been kind of the story of Josh's career for the most part, where most of these games that they're losing is um, he is, isn't the one that ends with the ball in his hand. But the Bills' offense through 10 weeks, third in DVOA, first in success rate, third in EPA play, fourth in QBR, third in yards per play, second in third down conversion percentage, and third in red zone efficiency. Top five and everything. <laughs> everything. And so it's 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 like Dorsey's being punished for the turnovers that happen on the offense. Like obviously it's no secret Josh Allen is is leading the league in interceptions, not good. There's been some fumbles and stuff. That's not the offensive coordinator's fault. The offensive coordinator doesn't draw it up to have him throw it to the other team or to have a bad snap. And so it's one of those things where it's like bad bad play from from the Bills offense you know cost him his job because he, they just made him the scapegoat and got to go so I don't I'm not saying that I don't agree with agree with it like I guess you could say like something had to change this just comes at a weird time because like if they if they don't have 12 men on the field he doesn't lose his job yeah like you know if they win that game they're not firing him after a win like that so it's just it's, it's weird that the fault of somebody else is being put onto him. So um, we'll see what happens moving forward. Like I said, I don't think it's going to be this catalyst to where they're going to galvanize behind a new offensive coordinator. They're going to come. It's the same system. You're not going to switch up the system 11 weeks into the season. So it's going to be the same thing. This might just be situationally, you know, different play calls that that Joe Brady calls in instead of that. They really make some tweaks and things and he's going to get his hand in it there. Um, probably won't see much happen until after their bye week. So they got the Jets, and then they had their bye week before they face Kansas City. So, you know, maybe through that bye week might be able to change some things, but you're not going to create a whole new offense or change the screen in three weeks like that. Like, that's just ridiculous. So I don't really think this is going to do much. A new offensive coordinator is not going to do anything when it's ever the same scheme, the same plays, everything like that. So very weird timing, definitely being scapegoated. And I think really the finger that we should be pointing pointing at coaching wise, right, would be the head coach. And we're going to dive into that specifically, talk about the game and stuff like that when we break down that Monday night game. But um, it's just a, a weird thing. I feel for the guy because he's really doing everything. I mean, stati- statistically, the offense, I mean, the results weren't the same, but statistically the offense was better than with Dayball. 
if you look at like the numbers statistically. So, you know, it's kind of one of the things is like, well, you know, you're not going to get rid of the players, right? You're not going to get rid of the Josh Allen. You're not going to get rid of that. Like this is somebody has to go and he's getting scapegoated. So Kendoris, I'm sure he'll find another job, you know, next season. There's going to be a lot of shuffling that goes around. So he'll be okay. But um, just, just as a weird thing overall from, for the bills and, uh, to me, it's like showing where they just like don't have that stability up top, like some of these other organizations. Like when you look at the Eagles, like this doesn't happen. When you look at the Chiefs, this doesn't happen. When you look at you know, these other 49ers, like this doesn't happen. When you don't have stability up at the top, things like this kind of happen. So I think that's going to be something that's going to affect the Bills and essentially take them out of the Super window that they had for about two seasons that ended um, there in Kansas City. So anyway, that's the offensive coordinator deal with, with – um, with the Bills, we'll see what happens as they move forward. They've got um, a big game here that we'll preview up against the Jets here next week. But um, let's go ahead and move into the Week 10 recap here. And let's go ahead and start off, Chase, with that Thursday night matchup with the Carolina Panthers and the Chicago Bears. Give us your thoughts, Chase, on that um, wonderful game. Yeah, honestly, as bad as it was, it was kind of enjoyable to watch. Like, even bad NFL football is kind of good football. It wasn't as bad as, it, you know, it wasn't the bat, the worst game we've seen this week, this year, right? That was the uh, Battle of New York Snooze Fest there. At least we got a, a touchdown. And uh, it's fun because, like, this Tyson Bagant for the Bears quarterback, he's fun to root for, right? He's got all the moxie. He's a tatted up white boy walking out there, kind of leading that offense. Right. He's not the best player, but that's kind of why you rally around him. And then uh, I thought there was like twice that you've seen maybe a flash from Bryce Young. But but other than that, like the, this game, you know, I'm trying to, you know, pull, push, pump it up. But again, like, let's get real. This wasn't a great game. This shouldn't have been on prime time. Like even there's no aspect of this game should have been on prime time, even with the Bears, how they were projected to do before you know, by the media and the Panthers, even we had the Panthers a little bit better than this. Like this shouldn't have been in uh, a primetime game, but the Bears stuck it out and it was a close one, 16-13. So, you know, bear down, I guess. Yeah, I mean, honestly, this is, was like, um, uh, yeah, so for me, it was tough to watch. And I was excited because I, it was the first game I really could sit down and watch Bryce play like a full game. Um, and, you know, I if you listen to anything, you know how, how much I love Bryce coming out. And I'm just – I mean, I'm not out on Bryce, like, by any means. No. But it's it's just tough to see whenever, you know, see struggles there where it's just like, man, like, I just, you know. I think what makes it worse is how good C.J. Stroud is playing. Like, because I get, like, you know, you come in, like, Joe Burrow didn't play well his first year. Trevor Lawrence didn't play well his first year. Like, it's it's – it's 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 not the normal to come into your rookie season and play well like that is the abnormal so like i'm not out on bryce saying by any means um but i would have liked to see just a little bit more from him. i just i've been disappointed like i haven't really watched him and, and seen what i saw in college or what i expected from him. so that's been disappointing and as well i think with cj Stroud just kind of amplifies it to where he's doing everything like almost perfectly <laughs> yes um and then and then you know bryce young is kind of like that so it's you know tough to see but um Listen, there were multiple times where, where Carolina could have gotten into the game and they just kind of fell, fell short. Chicago obviously, you know, took advantage there. But, um, uh, yeah, it was like the worst the worst thing that this could have done was end in a tie. So, I mean, I'm glad at least somebody won. And we didn't have to go into overtime on that. But, um, 
listen, the Chicago Bears, obviously this benefits them most because these two teams are kind of vying probably for one and three or picks one and three. Uh, you might get the Patriots in the middle there. They're not doing well. Um, and so obviously with obviously Carolina, you know, that's Chicago's pick. So Chicago had the ultimate opportunity to ensure that they would at least for sure end up with the first round pick, right? By beating them, making sure they only finish the season with at least only one win. And then if they do get a win, you know, if they have the same record, obviously there's a tiebreaker to kind of how that happens, but um, at least it's during the first round pick. And so their, their pick, if they win some more games, you know, and it's a little higher pick, like it's okay because they're already sure the first round pick. So it was a win-win for Chicago, like win or lose. But um, I said before, like very rarely, like ever, do you have the opportunity to improve your draft stock by winning and the Bears were able to do that. So um, big win for the Bears, even though it wasn't a great game, it was still a big win there specifically for that reason. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And especially with Kyler Murray coming back, looking as good as he will, we get into it a little bit later, but like that kind of guarantees like, I don't know if the Panthers win another one. Right. And even if they do, I don't think it matters. Right. They could go two wins and still get that first pick. So that's, you know, nice, nice win for Chicago, especially with how Caleb Williams has been playing the last two weeks. Like that, that first round pick, even if they don't want Caleb, they're going to have a lot of suitors that want that pick. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, honestly, they could they could sell that for a, bag. a million dollars. I mean, they could sell that. Yes. They could get like a Trey Lance and for a Niners type of deal with that with this quarterback class. Mm-hmm. So, um, I would, which I wouldn't be surprised at all if they did that because they they need a lot of help in a lot of different places. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. So that was a Thursday night game, and so then we go to Sunday, the noon window. My lock pick was the Steelers over Green Bay. A, not a lot, a very controversial call here or no call, um, if you will, that really affected this game that left everybody's head scratching because it was clear and obvious that that was a backward pass. Jason, I know you've been been amped up to talk about this ghost, so I'll go yes. ahead and let you let you go ahead and, and um, t- take it away. Tell us about this game. Yes, so before we get to that, and trust me, I have a lot to say about that. Before we get to this, we'll check out the big thing, right? As a Packers fan this year, all I want to see is Jordan Love play good. And this might have been his best game, even though we lost it. He was making throws. You've seen the arm angles. And the other thing is, our wide receivers, besides Christian Watson, who's supposedly our number one, all the other guys, they looked really good. Like, this was the game that I was just like, yes, this is the Packer team I want to see. So now back to that call, right? So I think what makes this so irritating, and I think this is the worst call we've had all year, right? What makes it so irritating is it was obvious during the play. They blew it dead, whatever, took a scoop and score. They didn't even let it play out like they should have, like they're trained to. Scoop and score from Rashawn Gary, which would have won us the game, right? It was a four-point game, three-point game. They blocked your four-point game. should have been three-point game. They blocked a field goal. Seven points puts us ahead, right? That's how math works. But – Matt LaFleur challenges it. They go to review it. They show the sky cam, right, where they see the line. They draw the line where he's standing, where the ball's at behind that line. And then they don't overturn it. Gene comes on and says, oh, I understand why they do this. Today, Gene came on NFL radio and said that he takes back that. And after he had a good look at it, it was a lateral pass. Well, that does us a whole lot, Gene. Thanks a lot. Right? This is just, I mean... I, this is wild. I don't know what the refs were seeing. I don't know what, like, I, I mean, I don't think games are rigged at all, but this call is like the refs are doing something like 
something's wrong to mess this one up. It's it's not even a judgment call. It's where's the ball on the field. You have the sky cam for a reason. Let's use it. That was just pitiful. And uh, I think that secured your lock. So congrats to you. The Steelers defense didn't really look as daunting as I thought they would. Right. I thought the Packers offense played really well. Like I already said, Packers defense for having all that first round talents, not really getting used. They're not really looking great. Jahir was out again. We had that undrafted carrying Valentine kind of step up. He looked decent, but the Steelers, I don't really have much hope in them, right? They kind of rear their head at the right moment. Maybe they can do it again, but they didn't look too good. Packers definitely were the better team out there playing. No, I agree with you 100%. Um, I, I agree with you, especially when you say, I think this was Jordan Love's best game, like even with the loss, just because it was pretty solid like throughout, right? We've seen, besides that Bears game where it was just like, you know, because the Packers own the Bears, right? Besides <laughs> that, it's been where like, hasn't showed up in the first half, showed up in the second half, really was the second half team the first couple of weeks of the season, and then kind of really disappeared altogether, just wasn't there at all. Uh, and it kind of came back here and really played like a full, complete game well, right? And, you know, obviously probably should have should have won the game. I mean, that was the third thing. We got to – I mean, there's a difference between, you know, penalties that are always kind of subjective. Right. Yes. You see a tug on a jersey, you're like, okay, the ref, someone's ref are gonna call it, some are not, and you can kinda of debate like buzz. But whenever we have like this is like a, a two plus two equals four deal. Like you cannot argue, you cannot argue it that two plus two does not equal four. You can't. Where you no. look you look at a line, you can either be <laughs> forward on the line or behind the line. And when that ball is clearly behind the line, like I just I don't know how that, that, that doesn't get overturned. They don't do it. And my thing is, is, is there's no, no accountability by the reps. Like Gene, he's just like, he's not the guy actually calling, no. making, calling the shots or whatever. He's just the head of like officiating broadcast wise to come in and kind of explain the rules to us or kind of explain, well, this is kind of what we're looking at here. This is why we would do it, whatever. So whether he, you know, was for it or against it, it doesn't matter. He's not the one that's doing it. But somebody ref, whoever is doing that, like the refs need to be held accountable. Like the NFL is finding these players for stupid oh things, for playing football, but these refs get off scot-free. They don't have to answer to anybody. They don't have to sit there in a post-game press conference and ask them about calls like players and coaches do. They get off scot-free. They don't have to do anything. The players and coaches can't criticize them or else they get fined. So they get off scot-free. So the only people that can criticize the refs are fans and, you know, pundits, right? Like us. That's the only people that can do it. And that doesn't matter because that doesn't put any pressure on them. They don't care. They're going to go ahead and lie in bed at night, collect their million dollar payday and sleep just fine because there's no accountability. Like we have to start either. Like I'm not saying like whenever, like if they have like a bad call, a lot of subjective. I'm saying something like this where it's clear, like they either need to be, you know, stripped of their crew, like suspended the game, fined, whatever it want to be, but there needs to be accountability whenever they have crucial things like this that literally are affecting games. There needs to be accountability. There needs to be some sort of penalty because if not, they're just going to keep making mistakes like this. Like you, we, this something is completely avoidable. What happened there, that call is completely avoidable or rectifiable, right? They made the bad call live. I can understand that, but that's something completely rectifiable that they can rectify and they didn't do it. And, and there's no accountability at all. So something has to change there because that's just terrible for our game. 
obviously it doesn't happen a lot, but there's just the lack of accountability is something that I've always been concerned with, with the refs. They need to look into that. The competition yes. committee, whatever it is, they need to look into that and figure that out because the refs need to have accountability. So to not give credence to the, the NFL is rigged. This gives credence to those yes. claims. This, yes. this, this does like, <laughs> this does like, I don't believe it. You don't believe it. You know, they joke about the script writers and things like that. It's all fake. Like we know that, like this gives, like if somebody's trying to find evidence to prove a conspiracy theory saying the NFL is really like this right here yes. is point a, like case a, like this is it, like exhibit a into evidence that the NFL is rigged, right? So is accountability something needs to change, something needs to happen because that is just it's just bogus. Yes. No. You you wrapped up all of my feelings right there. That I mean it was it was wild. I I don't I've been I, I don't understand how the Packers challenged it, right? Lost a timeout and still didn't get that that losing a timeout for challenging only have two challenge like we couldn't challenge anything else then that rest of that game because if you don't win your first challenge you don't get rewarded your second like coaches should be able to challenge the refs not and not any call but like on a spot foul like that that shouldn't cost Green Bay a timeout like that that's that's another one of my pet peeves just like that you know again that's accountability those refs are playing God out there in the football field right with no with no checks and balances right. So just wild, wild. Yeah. There's only one God and he doesn't make mistakes like No. Um, no, he does not. Anyway, yeah. Touching on the Steelers there real quick. The Steelers, obviously they're they're playing Steelers football where they just kind of somehow win. They're the only I think what is like I don't know if it's like the only team in NFL history to have like a winning record where they've been outgained every single game. Something stupid like that. So they're and listen, you know, I came on kind of in preseason because you know Kenny Pickett kind of went on a hot streak there to the end of the game and thought, oh, Kenny Pickett, you know, maybe he's the. I'm just I'm out on Kenny Pickett, dude. The dude's the dude's not good. Um, the the Steelers are obviously going to finish with a medium medium pick, you know, mid round pick. Um, but I think they really need to do explore their options about getting uh, that could happen. I mean, they need to explore their options about getting um. Um, getting help um, at quarterback and at the wide receiver position um, as, as well. So that was, this will be a perfect draft to do it deep at quarterback, deep at wide receiver, um, because they're really wasting their defense. They're really wasting their, their defense Very potential true. there. Um, and so they, they, they need to look at that. So um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, they killed this last draft. So let's see how, how they kill this next yeah, draft um, coming up in Detroit. Um Let's see here. Moving on to the Cleveland and Baltimore game. Now, I will say you had some great takes. So you called this game um, where at the very beginning, like the first half, end of the first half, oh. you would have thought this was impossible. Deshaun Watson played the worst half of football ever in the second half. I don't think he was great. Obviously, he went for 14 for 14, so that's good. But, like, he didn't really look good. Like, the defense wasn't that game with that pick six there at the end to kind of put him back in, into it. But, um. What were your thoughts here on, on this game? I'm obviously excited that you, you called this pick, and so I was thinking about you when I watched it. I was like, "Damn, the chase is right." <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I had I had some some pretty good ones. I also got you know a little sloppy at the end, but started off really hot, and uh, just like the Ravens, right? They started off really hot and they got really sloppy. And this is traditional Baltimore football, right? They 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 come out look really great, and then they forget how to play football come that fourth quarter. You know, they, I think the only team that collapses more than them was like the Matt Ryan Falcons, right? 
the, the Baltimore Ravens all, I mean, they just get destroyed all the time in that fourth quarter out gain, and they struggle against their division. It's funny, you know, last week we were talking all of those teams in the playoffs. We all knew that that wasn't going to happen because none of those teams can win a division game. Like they seem to like split everything. So yeah, they'll just beat them. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It is. But, you know, uh, pump your brakes on the Lamar MVP, right? Not you personally, but like the media, you know, the Ravens, the best team in football, Lamar MVP, all this and all that. Look at what happens. Like, they, you know, they, they play really good against teams like good wins. But when the wins really matter, right, when it comes to tiebreakers in the playoffs or even division games, the Ravens struggle to win those games. But against the Lions and the uh, Seahawks, man, they dominate. Again, so the those Ra- wins aren't. Oh, go ahead. So, so the Ravens and like Lamar Jackson specifically are dominant against the NFC. I think his record's like 18 and one against the NFC. So like whenever it's an NFC coming into town, they play like the best football ever. Whenever it's the AFC though, not so much, right? So like all their losses are against the AFC teams, which kills you when you're looking at, at standing, yes. right? So just because even the fact like, um, you know, if they have the same record as somebody else, like those AFC losses, as long as somebody else has a better AFC record, then they get the tiebreaker. So those losses are killer. And especially, obviously, it's hard whenever you play your division because obviously those are conference, but also divisions. So that hurts you as well. Um, but yeah, but I mean, the, the Browns defense, um, we know that they've been legit. I mean, Miles Garrett comes alive and, you know, Greg Newsom, which we'll, I know we'll talk about. Um, but um, so some crazy things there. Um, with that, I know we'll get into it a little bit later too, but um, that was a that was a fun one setting it up um, with um, a, a clash here on Thursday. But um, this is another one. So this is where this is where I was right. Um, I didn't use it as my right. I have something else, but it's only where I was right, and that was going to be the 49ers versus the Jaguars. Now I wasn't anticipating this uh. this complete blowout, but I was I was. 100% confident that the 49ers were going to come out of their skid after their bye week and play 49er football. And I, I, the Jacksonville Jaguars have been about the same team this entire year. Besides that Bills game, I think they really kind of put it all together. They've just been playing kind of like they really haven't been very impressive. Yes, they had that five game win streak, but they haven't really been playing impressive football. They've been finding ways to win. Which is good. Credit to them. But like looking at them, it's like this is not really impressive, right? They they're not really impressive, and so I wasn't shocked that all this happened. Or I wasn't. I wouldn't be. I wasn't shocked that they lost. I was a little shocked that they only put up three points, though. I thought they would at least be able to put up more than that. But the 49ers just came, and this was like this. This is the type. This was the 49ers that won against the Cowboys, right? We have not seen them since that game. No, they come back here and they show up. The 49ers, like whenever they're this. They're the best team in the NFL. looks like Chase Young is a very good addition there, a welcome addition there to that defense. That's another another great piece there on the already stacked defense. Um, And Jacksonville just wasn't up to snuff. Yeah, yeah, and it's funny, you know, uh, maybe instead of the firing Ken Dorsey, they should have just put him on the sidelines, right? Some of these games, you know, they moved Steve Wilkes from the booth to call it on the sidelines this game. And the defense looks really good for the first time in four weeks. They had a bye week last week, first time in three games, right? Uh, the Steelers backtracking a little bit. Matt Canada hasn't been great, but he's been a lot better since he's been on the sidelines than he was up there. So maybe Ken Dorsey, instead of freaking out in the sidelines, should have just touched grass. But uh, yeah, this, the 40, this is probably my worst take of, the, of, of last week. This is not a, 
that it was i'll cover it later this i did use that as where i was wrong so i'm gonna gonna save that a little bit but yeah wild game. Wild game for sure. So we'll touch on there. There, um, the Detroit Lions and LA Chargers gave us a fun one. Um, this was uh, another one. This was a, a typical kind of a Chargers game where they're in it. Justin Herbert plays extremely well, but that defense, led by a defensive coach, fails to make stops when it matters. Fails to stop at all. I mean, at they all. just could not. They couldn't not stop a running nose. Um, and the Detroit Lions probably had their best game that they've had so far all season. They were clicking on everywhere. Um, and so it was a super fun game to watch back and forth, back and forth. It honestly came down to who had the ball last. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I think I sent you that, the stat earlier this week, or, uh, or yeah, earlier this week, that the Chargers defense has allowed the same amount of points that Justin Herbert has scored since he's been there. That is crazy. Like, you, how do you win any football games like that? That defense is awful. I've seen another one where the Ben Johnson, the mastermind, let's not forget Ben Johnson's the mastermind behind this whole uh, Denver, or not Denver, Detroit run, right? Ben Johnson's that guy. He is him, as they say. So he took the, a play from the Jags that they used when they beat him in the playoffs, and it, they got him with it again. Did you see Derwin James is like, I recognized it. They ran it. It worked. Like it, that you 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 gotta let go of that coach. Like we talked about how much he was in a hot seat, right? That, that guy's got to go. When it's you know you brought in Kellen Moore, you thought scoring points was the problem. You score at forty five, they have forty five points, and you lose the game. That's not on Kellen Moore. That's not on Herbert. Like make a stop. Yeah, if you score, th- I mean, so yeah, so they lost forty one to thirty eight. So they put oh. up thirty eight points. I mean, if you score thirty eight points, you should yeah. win every game. Yes. Like that's like that should be enough to win a that should be enough to win a game in the National Football League, thirty eight points. Um and they weren't able to do it because that defense is trash. Um and it's crazy when you talk about the talent they have on defense. It's just amazing how that just hasn't come to it just hasn't yes it hasn't worked, right? When you talk about Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, Derwin James, um, Kenneth Murray, like they've got studs there. Like that's not the problem. The problem is is they just can't put it together for whatever reason. Yeah. They just can't do it. Um, but, um, but yeah, shout out to Quentin Johnson though, finally getting his first touchdown of this season. So that's dope. Um, looks like he's kind of coming into his role a little bit more. So we'll see how he looks going forward. Um, let's go to the desert and go to Las Vegas where they hosted the New York floundering jets, um, and a win 16 to 12, um, where re- really the really the Jets beat themselves. Um, I have my take on what's what's your thoughts here on, on this game for Sunday night? Yeah, it um, the Jets did it to me again, man. I keep picking them, I keep picking them, and they keep just losing. One touchdown would have done it, right? One touchdown is all you needed. I thought honestly, I thought the Jets played better football, right? I didn't think the Raiders were anything like crazy jumping out the page. Of course, they have Devontae Adams was really great. But um, I thought that last play by Zach Wilson was phenomenal. Like that might be the best throw he's ever made. And it was knocked down by his tight end. Like what are the I mean, it's just a Jets thing to do this year. Um, Yeah, it was just uh, it it was just uh, wild to me. I think the Raiders under an interim head coach might be the best team in football. 
when they had when Gruden got fired and they had that interim head coach come in with well, Rich what Biscotti Biscotti whatever the Packers special team coordinator now they made the playoffs right they looked good they sh- probably should have beat the Bengals we keep bringing that that up and now they're two and zero under age uh, the Anthony or Antonio Pierce I think it's Antonio Pierce right yeah Pierce is his last name uh, I sit him down explain the rules a little bit to him though like when he challenges a play that couldn't be challenged cost him a timeout that's just inexperience let you know educate him a little bit more i don't know if he's really the guy that you want at the end of the day but the raiders keep winning and the jets keep losing yeah they do so i mean so two things here so touching on the coach like the, i think what they did wrong the first time like you said with their first interim head coach who took them on that streak to make the playoffs was they just got rid of him and they brought in Josh McDaniels. Like they tried to get like a flashy new toy whenever they had old reliable, like some of the, obviously, you know, internet coach, we don't know a hundred percent if he's reliable, but you don't have to give him a six year contract. You could give him a three year one, you know, and just something tiny stuff. Cause obviously they responded well, they played well, put in a position to make the playoffs and went, who knows where they're at now if they had that, but instead threw everything away, brought in Josh Daniels, changes the whole culture, changes everything. Right. And then they're, they're repeating it. So I would be, Let's just say this. I won't be shocked if they try to get another coach, but I would, uh, because that's just kind of what happens. Mark Davis is not a good owner. He just makes no, stupid decisions. Um, but um, so we'll see, obviously, how they finish out the, the season. They're still not a good football team by any stretch of the imagination. So this this whole, you know, being galvanized by the interim head coach, I just don't know how long that's going to, I don't know how long that's going to last. I don't predict it lasting much longer. Because no. um, the Jets, like I said, all they had to do was score a touchdown. They had multiple times. Zach Wilson dove for a touchdown. He was out of bounds. Bruce Hall scored a touchdown, which you needed. I beat you in fantasy by like two points because you needed that. Um, and then got called back for a holding. So they were driving. Zach Wilson, a really good drive so far, throws the interception. So, like, they had, they, they were scoring. It kept getting called back. The penalties, like, they were beating themselves. Like, they were literally taking points off the board. Um, obviously, you can't win that way. Right? And so... Only one touchdown scored. It took until early in the fourth quarter for the Raiders to finally score their touchdown. Um, I guess apparently today the offense had a players-only meeting where they were like talking, airing out their grievances and things like that. My thing is, is if you have to have a players-only meeting, you're already screwed. Yeah. Like you, you in my in my mind, you you can't get to the point where you have to have that meeting because when you're at that point, you're already it's already too far. It's, it's already too far. Um, so I'm not anticipating anything big from the, the Jets' offense. Obviously, I still think they'll win some games, but I'm not going to anticipate the, the Zach Wilson from that Chiefs game to show up ever again this year. I'm just not. He had that one He had that one game in him, he, and he used it up um, in that magic run out whenever he muffed that, that snap and, and the tides turned. Right? He, just, he had that magic. Um, it's, like, um, it's like in the Santa Claus too where he has that magic – he has that magic watch. Every time he uses it, it, it goes down, and all of a sudden he's out of magic. He's not saying anymore. And that's what happened to Zach Wilson. He had that watch on. He turned it on there in the second quarter. And by the fourth quarter at the end, it ran out. And um, and he was done. So um, but um, yeah, I'm just I'm not. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, December, mid-December, trying to come back. We'll see what position they're in um for that to happen. But um just 
they have a very good defense. I think they have one of the best defenses in the league, yes. and it's just a shame that, that it's being raised. But listen, this is coaching malpractice on the Jets. They keep sticking with Zach Wilson. They keep riding with them whenever he's showing time. They've scored three touchdowns in five games, Chase. They've played five games of football, 20 quarters of football, and have only scored three times. That's a problem. Yeah. And, and if – I know it's not all on Zach Wilson. He's got receivers that have dropped some touchdowns. There's Vincent Pillies and things like that. But still, he's the problem. <laughs> yes. Yes, he is. And, it, and it, I think it works even worse when you see, like, Joshua Dobbs, what he's been doing for the Vikings. Like, you could have had Joshua Dobbs, and you went with – you stuck with your guy, Zach Wilson, who proved what, you, what he was, right? And now, you know, Joshua Dobbs wins that game. He wins a lot of games for you. He's looked amazing. Maybe he does, you know, who knows what he looks like with the Jets. You know, things happen, but got to be better than that, right? One touchdown. I think if I look back, I think one touchdown would have won him the last three games they were in. Like, come on, guys. One touchdown. Let's, let's go. Like, and I'd say, I'd say, like, I was all for it. Aaron Rodgers coming back. I think it's the best thing in the world, right? He could come back. If they're not in playoffs, don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah, if you're not in playoff no, contention. No like he may he may just do it just to prove that he could do it, which I wouldn't it. put it past him. No. Because like he's saying it, everyone's like, that's not gonna happen. I could see his ego being like, guess what? Well yeah, I'm here. look at me. <laughs> so I could see it happening. Yeah. Um, all right, I think he would do it. At least play one game. Um and see and see what happens. But um yeah. So anyway, yeah, Jets yeah, I don't know what to I don't know what to make of that game next week between the Jets and the Bills. I just that game could go Either either way, really, with, with yeah. how both of those teams are playing. Um, yeah. Let's go ahead and go on to Monday night. So we kind of touched the base on this a little bit, so we don't have to go in deep down here, but I want to get your overall thoughts on that full game. Yeah, so I didn't watch a lot of the game Monday night. I got busy doing something else. I know, bad. You know, football should come first. I tried. But the Bills... Again, the Bills struggle with turnovers, right? Uh, James Cook turned the ball over the first time since his first uh, he since his first snap with the Bills. Josh Allen threw two picks. One of them, you know, bounced off a of receiver's hands. The other one, it was just kind of a, a punt late game that he didn't really want to be a punt. Josh Allen has scored. You know, we talked about the turnover problems with Josh Allen. He's the number one interception leader in the NFL. He's also the number one touchdown leader in the NFL. So, like. You, that's what that's what you get from Josh Allen, and it's kind of like that's what you knew you were gonna get when you drafted him. You knew that this guy was a gunslinger. Brett Favre, you know, was the name that was thrown around with him, and he has lived up to that, right? You got to be willing to take that. So we, we talked about Ken Dorsey leaving the, getting fired when it shouldn't have been, right? And then I was going back. These Bills have just been haunted by penalties that are outside of even their turn. Like they, sh they should win that game. If they have the right number of people on the field, the first game where Josh Allen threw three interceptions, they win that game. If they can tackle the punt returner, right? The guy, the undrafted rookie wide receiver returns the punt on them in overtime. Like if you tackle the punt returner, you win the game. Like these are special teams mistakes that just, you know, are like the nail. I know they're the nail in the, in the coffin, right? you you can't, throw three interceptions you can't turn the ball over this much and expect to win a game but you were in position two and your dumb mistakes caused you not to i think that's what's most frustrating and the fact that both of these back-to-back -back losses have been prime time 
like all eyes on you and you're coming out flat, you know, you get one series where you look really good, like last week with the Bengals and the point, and then you do these things like just rough, rough for the Bills, rough look. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, they lost this game. The Broncos didn't win this game. They lost this game because there's yes. a very real possibility where we're – I want to talk about the, the final sequence here real quick. I love that feel because there's a very real possibility where everyone's – we're just crucifying Sean Payton for how that yes. how that ended. Right? He yes. got he got bailed out. So you have so – you, so you need it twice, the Bills – so you're out of timeouts, right, Broncos? You're out of timeouts. The, the Bills have two timeouts left, right? So you can essentially run the clock all the way, you know, up to three seconds. Or you can't because they have the two timeouts and you don't have any. So one knee, Bills timeout. Two knee, Bills timeout. All right. And so now, right, it's third down. You can't do anything else. You have to kick the field goal here. Or, so you want to get to fourth down, but you can't. I don't know why they didn't. Oh, because like, okay, sorry. Let me go back. So they want to keep the clock running. They don't want to give the Bills any Bills, time at all anytime. back on the clock, just in case something happens. So they they'll knee it again when there's 13 seconds left. Run their special teams out to go ahead and, and kick a field goal. If there's no time left. My problem when I have this is their special teams. Their kicker has not been doing well at that point. Already missed one field goal, had that botched snap on the second one. They had not been playing well. So instead of just having them line up all calm, cool, and collected all the time in the world to line up, do his little thing, eye it up, and take the shot and leave maybe 10 seconds left, you rush him out there. And exactly what I thought was going to happen was he missed it. He missed it. And I thought, oh, my gosh, Sean Payton is a freaking idiot. And then I see the flag. And then 12 men on the freaking field. Are you kidding me? And they get it again, and then he makes it. And so there's a very real possibility where instead of Ken Dorsey getting fired, we're talking about how Sean Payton is a terrible coach for the Denver Broncos because of that sequence right there. He got bailed out. The The Bills lost that game due to those turnovers, due to those penalties. Um, and they obviously they blamed it on Ken Dorsey, not his fault. Um, but obviously he gets the short in that stick, but, uh, how do you not have, how do you have 12 men on the field on a, on a field goal block? Yeah. Like, do you not know? You obviously know they have, you, you're, you obviously know they have to kick a field goal. You know, that's coming because they're up, you're up by one point. So, you know, they have to kick a field goal, yes. right? You know, it's a field goal. You know, it's coming. You had just got out of a timeout. Right, you know exactly what they're going to do. They're going to do a knee, run the thing out, kick a field goal. You know that's what the story is. And instead, you don't get the proper personnel out there. You there's a mix up. Somebody's out there who, which means somebody's out there who's not usually out there for a field goal block. So what are you doing, guy? So the other thing. So one guy's out there on blocking. If he was like, I'm going to block this field goal, whenever he's not out there ever. So somebody just was out there for whatever reason. Yeah. And then two, Sean McDermott, the head coach didn't catch it or didn't realize it um, or didn't get the people out there. Say, listen, guys, this is what they're going to do. Field goal block team, get ready. Like just have them go out there and play defense. Like you don't even need your actual defense out there. Like just get your field goal block team in there. They're going to do it. So there's just a ton of different things that went on where just a whole mismanagement of everything. 
Um, and obviously, you know, the Broncos were able to kick the field goal. And so now it's the, oh, the Broncos are on coming. They beat the Chiefs and the Bills back-to-back weeks and blah, blah, blah. Like, man, I'm all for the Bills losing, but not at the expense of the Broncos. I was, gosh, I just can't stand, like, the positivity against the Broncos on this. So I was hoping so bad the Bills would win. Obviously, they choked uh, in typical Bills fashion, um, and, and the Broncos were able to win. But um, just terrible mismanagement by players, by coaches, by everything. Um, just everything. I was just so confused. And they just, and I, I don't know if I texted you or texted somebody else, but I said, man, the Bills deserve to lose that game. They just deserve to lose that game. Um, from, yeah. from start to finish, they just tried everything they could to lose that game. In the end, um, with opportunity to do it, they did it again. Yeah, just, yeah. It's a very, very sad showing. And uh, yeah, that that's kind of the story of the Bills, right? Especially, it's been especially bad this year, right? The Bills have normally been a decent team that just uh, maybe one turnover or the defense lets them down or they don't get the ball back and they lose close games. This year has been a true downfall of the Bills. Like like some predicted, right? None of us had them winning their division, but it, it's just, it, it's very a wild. And now I'm seeing, you know, all the, the rant, the wild stuff about stuff on digs. Maybe he's gone next year. Like them tearing it down a little bit. Like it's, it's crazy, but you know, those fans are very, very passionate fan base, which requires a lot of momentum. I'm surprised I'm not seeing more for Sean Payton's job. Right. I know they just extended him for some reason. Right. He never really won much, but they extended him. So maybe, maybe that's why they're keeping him. But I would look at getting rid of him before I get rid of Dick's. Yeah. Um, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, all right. We'll go ahead and move on to best and worst season game balls. But first, Chase, what did you learn from week 10? Yeah, I learned kind of goes right along with the Bills things. It's hard to win in the NFL because it takes all three aspects of the game to win in the NFL. I'll talk about it a little bit later, but there's a lot of close games and a lot of the, you know, like the, we talked about the chat, the chargers, they, their offense was humming. Right. And because their defense couldn't get a stop, they lost, right. The bills they you know, they, they had, they had the game and because their special teams couldn't count to 12, couldn't count to 11, they lost the game. Right. So it takes all aspects and that's what makes it extremely hard to win a game. No, for sure. It's definitely um, definitely a team sport. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's for sure. Um, what I learned from week 10 is that bye weeks suck unless every single top contender loses. So obviously, Chiefs are on a bye week this week. And so that's uh, so it's nice because I get to watch a whole weekend of football without any stress. Um, so that part's good. But like, I hate going for a week and not watching the Chiefs play, right? That's just, that's my. The highlight of my week, I love watching the play. And so obviously a week where I don't get to do it, it sucks. But what makes it sweeter is when every other contender in the AFC literally loses. Ravens, lose. Um, Bills, lose. Bengals, lose. Uh, Jaguars, lose. All of the top contenders, right? Every... Every like division winner, basically, besides the Dolphins, they're on a bye. You know, every every you know every team that you know you could see. Okay, this is a p- potential AFC Championship matchup. All lost. All helping the cause um, of the Kansas Chiefs keeping that number one overall seed. And the great thing was, is those were all AFC losses as well. Yes. So now we're looking. So the Chiefs 
either already have the head-to-head with some or have the possibility of having the head-to-head, right? They played the Jags on the head-to-head. They played both the Bills and the Bengals, so have the opportunity to get the head-to-head there. Um, and then they don't have, they don't play the Ravens, but the conference schedule um, is working for them. Right? Ravens have three losses all in conference. So everything that, I'm going to say needed. The Chiefs didn't need any of this to happen. It was just something that was good to happen. So everything, every possibly good thing that could have happened for the Chiefs when they weren't playing happened. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the, the only other, you know, the only thing I think it would have been the, 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 the Broncos losing. Um, but since they played the Bills, it actually works better because, you know, division, the are, they're still yeah. fine. They're Broncos. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, um, and so the Chiefs pretty much had that division already wrapped up here through week 11. So not a problem there at all. So all the fact that all these other top contenders lost made the bye week phenomenal. Yes, that, that is a very, very good bye. That's a good way to spend a bye week where you don't get to watch your favorite team play. Like we had that with the Packers, right, where they had already had the bye week. So. Yes, yes. That that bye, bye weeks were fun when you're football fans, right? I'd hate to be a fan of just one team and not care about any other team. Because then a bye week, what am I supposed to do? Twiddle my fingers? Like, rough. But, all right. Moving on. This is best and worst now, correct? We're moving right. on to best and worst? All right. I'll hit my best first because it's really simple keep it really short and sweet my best is close games right even with how bad the ske- our schedule was this week we had 11 one score games this week it's hard to complain about football when they're all within one score right we had a couple real big thriller games right with the packers they had that last shit shot at the end zone the texans pulled it out last second the ravens Ravens uh Browns was the definition of last second. Lions Chargers was one second, right? The Jets came down to that last play. The Bills Broncos, so like a lot of close games and it's just good football. No, I'm with you. And there were, I think there were like five five teams that won on last second field goals. Um yes. I think it was like like Cardinals, Seahawks, Browns, Texans, um maybe Detroit. I think there's somebody else that I'm missing, but so um Kickers were the MVP of this week, yes. <laughs> um, for sure. Um, oh, I guess the Broncos. I guess that would be. We're going to. So my uh, my best, um, as well as going to be the Minnesota Vikings offense. Um, I love that offense. I love what. Listen, they're without their best player on offense, Justin Jefferson, and they're winning football games. Right? It happened with Kirk Cousins, and it's even more impressive now that it's happening with Joshua Dobbs. He's come in there, kind of took it over, is just doing things, doing crazy things, learning a new offense, learning his players' names, like going over there and winning that thing um, to go in there and play extremely well. So he has been playing phenomenal for Vikings. He got T.J. Hawkinson hot, who hasn't been hot in a while. Um. They're getting, you know, more players there involved. And so it's just all coming together really nicely there in a game against where the the Derek Carr experiment looks like it's just not working out, right? The Saints offense could not get anything done until he was injured, right? So it, you know, unfortunately he was injured, but it didn't get going until James Winston came in and kind of started being James Winston. He was the James Winston, right? Two touchdowns, two interceptions, right? That's the 30 for 30. Like, you're, that's who you're <laughs> going to get. But, man, it's fun to watch. I want to, I want oh. to be that, that starting quarterback there before because that's just fun to watch. Um, but uh, Josh Jobs keeps winning. Got a big game coming up next week um, in prime time to kind of really keep the Vikings train moving forward. 
Um, so I'm love, I love what I'm seeing from the Vikings offense, and they're just trying to keep it together until Justin Jefferson comes back, which I believe is not official yet, but I believe he's going to come back. I think he'll play this Sunday against oh, the Vikings. Wow. I do. I do think he's he's there. I think he's the, the way he's seeing this team going. I think he's really dying to get out there and kind of play with them. So I, I would be um, obviously, you know, you'll see kind of how he feels, but I wouldn't be shocked if he if he plays if he suits up this weekend. That'd be nice. That'd be nice. Football's better when all the best players play, even if they're the player on the worst team, the Vikings. But all right, that brings us to our worst. And I'll hit you with my worst. And I, you've talked about your preseason hype that you kind of gave up on, right? And this is finally time that I think I'm throwing in the towel on the Atlanta Falcons. Just like we talked about last round, it's not because of the players, right? Their quarterback play has been abysmal, right? We got the Taylor Heineke that I've been saying to Taylor Heineke, right? He's not good. Desmond Ritter, I think, honestly might give them more than Taylor Heineke does. But Arthur Smith cannot win a football game. I don't know what this guy has done. I don't know what the organization still sees in Arthur Smith. If Ken Dorsey gets fired, Arthur Smith should be out the door. Like, this guy is absolutely awful. I think Tyler Algier almost outsnapped Brijan for the like the ninth straight game. I don't that's not factual, but it seems like it, right? It it's impossible to get any of their good players going. Their defense just like disappeared back to what they were last year after that like four game hype that they had going. They couldn't stop the quarterback that hasn't played. We'll I'm gonna talk about Kyler a little bit later in the episode, but this Arthur Arthur Smith coached. Falcons don't it doesn't even seem like they want to win they have no fight out there they're just kind of playing football because that's what they get paid to do it's kind of sad to see I'm a take off my Falcons cap until next year when hopefully they get another quarterback so throwing that out no more rooting for the Falcons let me think I don't even think I picked them this week let me check again before I say that for sure nope it might be on bye week I don't even see them so didn't pick them though if I, I don't know if I can pick them again. They they might be gone. Dunzo. Yeah, no, I'm with you. They were my worst last week. Um, so um, I'm, I'm with you. I haven't been on that ever. I never got on that train. It left the station without me 100% been trying to talk you out of it. Um, we'll see. You have, a, you have a tendency of finally coming around to the right side of things. And then getting pulled back in. So I'm sure at some point they're going to win a game. Like it looks really good. And then you're going to be back on the train. Back on like, it. Sure. You'll be like, oh, what did I say a couple weeks ago? Ah, forget about that. I'm back on the train. I won't be Probably, but right now, but, um, right now, no Falcons. But, uh, but yeah, Until I pick them again. Yeah, they're, they're trash um, for sure. So I'm with you on that one. Um, my worst... Uh, my worst is the New England Patriots, which now I believe firmly are the worst team in football. Yeah, um, it was the Cardinals there for a while, but they've at least got their quarterback now. Um, see what that looks like moving forward. But I just think as he kind of gets back into the groove of things, he's been out for a long time. Um, back in the groove of things, they might you know be a little bit better. Obviously, they're not really the quality of a team to really do much, um, but. They at least score points, which the Patriots cannot do. Mac Jones is abysmal. And I'm really, really questioning why he got benched on like the last drive. So he played like the entire game in the last drive. He got benched and Billy Zappi came in and threw an interception just like Mac did and lost the game. Because <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, honestly, like their defense has been, their defense is good. Like their defense only held them to 10 points. The Colts only scored 10 points on the Patriots and they could not get at least 
11. Like, they only needed 11 points. Like, they couldn't do it. Um, uh, and just just terrible. I mean, this – I um, this is Mac Jones last year as a starter, and I truly believe this is Belichick's last year as a, as a Patriots head coach. I just don't see – I just – I just don't see how you you come out of this. You're gonna be you're gonna end up with obviously probably not the first pick in the draft because the Pandas will have to win a couple, but at least the second pick overall in the draft. Um, and I think it's just time where maybe Bill Belichick just kind of rides off into the sunset because now you're just hurting your legacy. Like now you're just losing, right? You had this great. Obviously, you have bajillion more wins than you have losses. But obviously now that gap is shrinking, right? The longer he's the coach of the Patriots, as they're clearly rebuilding, they're going to be losing more than they're winning. And so that just margin is going to do it. So from a legacy standpoint, like, you know, I think it'd just be better if he just kind of just rode off into the sunset. Listen, listen, I brought six Super Bowls here to this franchise. Um, once my goat left, I didn't have it anymore to put it together. It's okay. Just just write off. Just write off. Yeah. But the Patriots are toast. I think the Patriots are the worst team in the NFL. Um, because at least the Giants um, with DeVito can at least score a touchdown or two. Um, and so, um, obviously, if you can score a touchdown and versus a team who can't score a touchdown, then you're better. So the Patriots are officially the worst team in the league, and they are my worst. Yes, I, I think that's fair enough, right? And I think the biggest thing, you know, Belichick leaving, I think that's spot on, right? Because not only are you shrinking your gap, but you're hurting your legacy because all of your wins are starting to look like Tom Brady wins. Right, the, the old you know coach or player. Well, the player won a Super Bowl, and you will lead the worst team in the NFL. Like, you know, it's a little you know, it's hurting you more than it's helping you. So, I I agree. But speaking of getting back on the train, right? We're going into our game balls, and you already know, you already know who it is. It is Rain Dakota Prescott, the quarterback of America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. Dude had himself a game. And I understand it's against the Giants. They're not very good. But this still is a phenomenal game, right? 26 for 35, only missing nine passes. 404, 404 yards, four touchdowns. Got 17 of them on the ground and another thing on the, and, and another one through the ground, score, scoring on the ground himself. That's five total touchdowns, about 120 total yards. Dude was on something else. And he has been for a couple weeks now. I think his name, on a hot take, I think his name should be in the MVP conversation. I'm not saying he is the MVP, but he definitely has a right to be there. The dude's doing things. Yeah, I mean, he's, I mean, obviously he's been, he's been playing well um, against teams that, that suck. Um, that's typical. He played well against the Eagles too. That's, Hold on, that's typical. That's typical. That's typical. Dak. Dak puts on a show against non-playoff teams and then does not play well against the the actual playoff teams. So this is typical. Dak. Not surprised. So great, great for him. Great for the Cowboys. Um, but this doesn't impress me at all because this is what you should put up against the Giants. Um, what is impressive though, I'm dipping with you, double dipping with the Cowboys here with my offensive game ball, and that is C.D. Lamb. Ah. Um, and not so as much as what he did this past game, but what he's been doing. He is the first player, this was crazy, first yeah. player in NFL history to have three straight games of 10 or more receptions for 150 more yards. I was shocked when I saw that stat. That just seems like somebody has had to have. But I guess yeah, 
you know, it's straight games, right? It's the consecutive games that they get it. Um, this was just, this is, what's weird is because CeeDee Lamb has not been this, it's, I, I'm questioning things because he has not been this good in his career in the Cowboys. He's had some issues dropping the football. He's kind of overcome those. He's kind of been there. But this is what they envisioned him when they drafted him. They got rid of Amari Cooper. They drafted CeeDee Lamb. This is what the Cowboys envisioned. They just haven't been able to realize that potential. Was that Kellen Moore? I don't know, but obviously they're leaning into it. It's like it's a shocker what happens when you make your best player on, you know, your best receiver at least, yeah. the focal point of your offense. Like, good things happen, right? Yes. Arthur Smith, are you listening? When you have elite players, give them the ball. Good mm. things will happen. Mm. Um, and so, you know, CeeDee Lamb, you know, making history, basically just putting up these ridiculous numbers crucial um in playing you know for his team to win even when they're losing even when they lost like he still had a game like doing his part right he can only catch the balls get get thrown to him he's doing his part so really impressed with cd lamb so far this year uh best year so far in his career um and so yeah so my offensive game ball double dip here with the cowboys whoa i think this might be the first time we have teammates as game balls congrats dallas shot against bad teams it, you know we've had teams play <laughs> we've had teams play bad teams that haven't showed out. So it's important to show out against the bad teams too, but all right, defensive side of the ball, we're going to Greg Newsom, the second, the Northwestern first round draft pick, right? Big 10 guy. I think the reason he wins this, it should be no surprise. He kind of sparked the comeback A 34 yard interception return for a touchdown. This, this guy kind of sparked that Browns victory and saved my picks. So congrats. Greg Newsome, when I pick you to win and you do something like that, you're gonna get a game ball. Yeah, that was the that was the tie. That was what turned turned the game around. Um, um, yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen a game that has had both teams have had a pick six because the Ravens had one early, and then the Browns had one. I don't think I've ever seen that before. I don't think either. Um, That's interesting. Two pick sixes, one for each team. So that was fun. Yeah. So great. Yeah. So great win there. We kind of already recapped that. So let's go ahead and. Um, my game ball on defense is going to go to the Houston Texans. Defensive standout for this game, Sheldon Franklin, who had three sacks, two tackle for loss, and four quarterback kicks. He was making Joe Burrow's life miserable as the Texans went into Cincinnati and walked away with a win. Um, this was one of those games that came down to a last-second field goal. C.J. Stroud, another game-winning drive to get his team a win. Um, Texans are looking so good. That defense has been impressive. Pretty much shut out um, that Bengals offense the majority of that game. Um, but even in the end, the Bengals should have won the game. Or I shouldn't say should have won the game. There would have been time left, but they um, – they really threw that game away and dropped that game away. I mean, if we're being honest, because the Texans really tried to give them a game too. CJ Stroud, his first really rookie mistake. Like he had two fumbles and he had that that um that interception that set up um for the Bengals to score a touchdown to kind of get back into it after they were up by two scores. So, you know, they tried to give the ball back to to the Bengals to win, but then Joe Burrow decided to give the ball right back to you know, two uncharacteristic interceptions by Joe Burrow. One, he throws for the tight end. It's high, gets intercepted. Then he goes to throw in to a double-covered Boyd in the end zone, not even close, um, and it gets intercepted there. 
So very questionable, you know, throws there by Burroughs. But even that being said, with a minute left, has a wide open Tyler Boyd in the end zone, and Boyd drops it. They have to settle instead of instead of um, getting the game winning touchdown. They have to settle for the game tying field goal, which then gives CJ Stroud and the offense of the Texans to go down the field and score a field goal and to win the game. Um, it, I was I was laughing because I remember so the AFC Championship game last year. Tyler Boyd was injured; he didn't play. And I remember after the game, he had tweeted or said in an interview or something like that. He's like, "If I was out there, we would have won." And so that was immediately what I was thinking about whenever he dropped that pass. It was like, if you were out there, you'd have won. Probably would have dropped it. Um, crucial loss. Obviously, you don't want to say it's all on one player because it's a team sport. But I think whenever you you're in the you're in the position where you're able to catch a pass, your job for a touchdown to win the game, that you are the reason your team lost. Yeah. You know, no, like I, think I, that's I fair. like I understand it's I understand it's a team game, but like if you catch that, you there's like a ninety percent chance you win, right? And so like to me, like you could say, you know, you should have scored on more points. You know, Joe Burrow shouldn't have turned the ball or all that stuff. But whenever you have the opportunity there to catch the ball wide open in the end zone for the win and you don't do it, then I gotta say you're the reason why they lost. Yeah. No, I think that's fair enough. Right. Yeah. I agree with everything you said. And also I picked the Texans. So way, way to go, There's Tyler Boyd. You're right. So another one. Um, well, they're so great. So the Bengals were like, I, I was on the, the Bengals were, I didn't think maybe the best team in the NFL, but they were the best team in the AFC at that point, how they were playing up to that point. I thought they were playing extremely well. You look how they played against the 49ers. Like they had been playing extremely good football. Some of the best football that we've been seeing so far. And they just kind of came out and fell flat. Couldn't could beside that first drive. Um, they walked down and scored. They could not get anything done until late in the second half. Two fourth quarter interceptions. Opportunity there to win still. So it still proves they're still a good team, but just a loss. So, you know, a tough loss there by by the Bengals. Obviously one that, that they want to have back. But um, fourth place in their division, it's it's going to be tough to climb out. It's going to be tough to climb out of that, uh, especially when you still have to go through the division, which we already talked about where – very rarely does anybody sweep in the division. Usually it's always a one for one. So it'd be tough to tough to come out of that. Also another AFC loss. Um, but um Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, but Sheldon rankings, um, obviously, um go back to, to the game ball kind of got all one things there, but really, really putting the pressure on them. So shout out to you, Rankins, for putting that pressure up there on that D line and sealing that victory. Yeah, no, I absolutely really, really good job. D'Amico Ryan says that defense ready to play and Sheldon Rankins is a big contributor on that defense every week. Yeah. I, I just, I'm just, I kind of sit back and I shocked that how this team lost to the Panthers. Like they were only able to put up 15 points against the Panthers and lost. Like that was one loss. Like if, if not, like if they, um, if they didn't lose that game, they would be six and three right now. Yes. Yes, they would be six and three, and they would be in first place in their division because they already beat Jacksonville once. They'd have the head, and they'd be ranked four in the AFC playoff wise, um, and the division winner. So I think that might be one of those games that kind of comes back and haunts them at the end of the year when they're looking at kind of, you know, division seeding, playoff seeding, kind of what happens. They might look back at that one and think, if only would have would have won that one game against the Panthers. 
Um, but everybody's, you know, um, you know, everyone's allowed a bad loss, I guess, you know, not play very well, but, um, that one's going to be, I think that one comes back, back to haunt them for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. I think the Texans are like kind of like the fun surprise. And I still think there's a way that without winning the division, the Texans, right. We talked about it way early in the year. This is kind of better division than we thought. The Texans are not out of the playoffs. They're kind of hanging in that eight to seven range right now anyway, without winning the division. So, you know, very, very fun oh, to see how sure. that I actually out. think they are in the playoffs. Sorry. Like the season ended today. I'm pretty sure they, they are on the playoffs. They're the seventh seed. Okay. So, yeah. So, yeah, they're the seventh seed because they have, yep. okay. so they're tied with Cincy and they've got the tiebreaker. So, yep. so that's saying is, so if they end with the same record as Cincy, right, they're in it. Yes. Um, That'd be so crazy. A lot, of, a lot of football up to play. Obviously, if they don't win their division, right? They win their division, obviously, they're in. They're in. Um, but um, crazy, crazy things can happen. They got a matchup against the Cardinals there that should be should be a fun one to watch, but um, we'll get into. Um, but yeah, so there we go. That's uh, what was that? That was game balls, right? Yep, game balls. So we got right and wrong. Yes, and you you teed me right up for where I was right. So I'm gonna go right into it if you don't mind. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about one of my favorite quarterbacks, a guy that I called top five, later called top ten in the preseason that didn't play, happened to come back this week from a devastating injury last year on Christmas, Kyler Murray. Right? Kyler Murray didn't do anything flashy. He couldn't get my game ball, right? He didn't do anything like spectacular in the stat sheet. But Kyler Murray made all the right moves to win the game, right? He threw for almost 250 after coming back and not playing it for a year, had the rushing touchdown, hit, had that, that receiver corp that kind of felt dead after the Josh Dobbs magic wore down in week five. He kind of had them back up and going. Even though I went with the Falcons over Kyler Murray, I, over the Cardinals, because I thought, you know, looking at the team sport, I'm still a believer in Kyler Murray, always have been. I think always will be. Kyler Murray's here to stay. He's playing no Caleb Williams in, in uh, Arizona. It's Kyler's down. Yeah, I mean, regardless of you know how bad the Cardinals are, it's still impressive to come back after a whole year plus off of football and, and you know, be able to win. Yeah. So, um, you know, kudos to Kyler Murray. We'll see what happens as he kind of keeps going. Um, but, yeah, you know, great, great win and a great show from Kyler. That big scramble there at the end kind of looked like vintage Kyler. Like, okay, he's got – I was kind of, you know, curious to see because such a big part of his game is his mobility, like him running. Yes. I was going to say, like, is he going to be, like, favoring it? Nope. He's – boom, I'm going to run. <laughs> I'm going to be Kyler. So, looks looks promising. Yes. Chase, you want to know where I was right? Sure. You want to know where I was right? right. I'm going to take you back to June 7th, 2023, right here on this podcast, All Things Football, preseason, waiting for stuff to happen. We came out with our quarterback rankings. We came out with our top five quarterbacks in the AFC. And there was one quarterback that I left off that I caught flack for. That one quarterback now leads the league in interceptions is five and five is 10th place in the AFC on the outside looking in may not even make the playoffs. If this was a game of guess who chase, could you guess who I could, I could care to venture a guess. 
Josh Allen. It is Josh Allen. I was right. Every single thing I said this preseason about Josh Allen, about him being on the Madden cover, all this different stuff has come to fruition. Taking back my top five quarterbacks at the time, I had Mahomes, Bro, Herbert, Lawrence, and Rodgers. Obviously, Rodgers can't really count him because he hasn't really played, right? So we don't know. Lawrence, not really looking like a top five quarterback. I'm able to do that, but I think Herbert, Bro, Mahomes, Obviously, they're playing well. I don't think anybody would have any debate with those. I think you could probably move C.J. Stroud in there. I think you could probably move, um, you know, there's Tua. some other quarterbacks. You know, Tua definitely could be in there um, for sure. Um, I would put, I would put, have that kind of be my top five. Um, but I didn't put Josh Allen in because this is the reason right here. It's because everybody, I don't know why, somehow everybody took a Bills love potion. The Josh Allen love potion because of that one pre that one postseason two game stretch where he lit the league on fire had nine touchdowns zero interceptions that ended in that Kansas City game where they should have won but they didn't and he they have not been the same since they've made back to the playoffs once got demolished and now they may not even make the playoffs and obviously who does that fall on it falls on your quarterback the leader of the offense, the guy in charge of moving the ball up and down the field and scoring points. And he has not been able to do that effectively this season at five and five. I, he was not on my top five quarterbacks to go into the season. The AFC He's definitely not in my top five quarterbacks now. And I just got to stand on my ground there and say, I was right. Man. Ah, uh, this is a, this is a hard one. I, I, I disagree with you, man. Josh Allen, as much as he is, you could take, you know, you could take that victory lap for the, the, uh, you leave him off the top five because you don't like turnovers, right? He's got 11 turnovers or 11 interceptions lead the league. Uh, you know, two was sitting at nine, Pat Mahomes sitting at nine, no, Pat Mahomes sitting at eight, Burrow sitting at nine, right? That's two more. He's, he's not like he's, he's Matthew Stafford where he's had 17 and the next closest to him is Trevor Lawrence with 15 or sorry, with 14, right? He's not, he's not like, like crazy up there. Also, he is number one in touchdowns. He is number four in passing yards. He's number three in QBR. Josh Allen is not the reason they're losing these games. We just had a whole segment about it, right? They 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 line up. Listen, they line up with eleven people on the field. They win that game. They tackle the punt returner week one, even with him throwing three interceptions, his worst game. They win that game. So this yeah. victory yes, lapping, it, you know, no. this is a team game. The, 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 you're, you're looking at, you know, if you want to keep him off your top five because he's not going to make the playoffs, fine. But you know what? I think Joe, statistically speaking, he has a better chance of making it than Joe Burrow. Oh. That, that is – no. I, I, Joe Burrow has got like a 27% chance to win. I don't uh, – NFL, the, the analytics oh, part of the NFL. Okay. Fake news. But, Josh Allen, Josh Allen is not the reason these bills are bad, right? Ken, we already told, you know, the offense was not the reason these bills are bad. You know, if you want to, you want to victory, ride, sell, you know, your victory, ride, your take about the bills, go ahead. But Josh Allen, man, you, you got, you got to un, untake your hatred potion you took for Josh Allen and the bills and look at it like it should be. Josh Allen is a stud and he always has been. Listen, you are entitled to your opinion, cousin, um, but I'm doing that right. He is not a top five quarterback in the AFC. Stick to it. All right. All right.
All right. Moving on. Moving on. We'll go to the <laughs> war. We'll go to the worst. And another guy that both you and me had in our top five quarterbacks. And uh, his team is, I have the worst. I kind of already pre-mentioned it in our opening, but the Jaguars. I I think this, again, this was my worst pick this, this past week. I had them upsetting the 49ers simply because they were winning games and having these major turnover issues, right? They would have three to five turnovers a game, right? And then come out there and still win this game. Against teams that you know aren't great, but they beat like the they beat the Bills at that point in time were better than they are now. They beat the Falcons. You, now it's not looking like a great team. They beat the Steelers, turning the ball over four times. Steelers are a five hundred team that could make the playoffs, right? So, the, the I thought that they were going into bye week. I thought Doug Peterson, as much as I I had him up there in the upper echelon coaches, I thought they'd turn you know, take care of that fumbling problem, work on that, come out there ready to set the world on fire and give those 49ers a run for their money. And they looked like they were still on bye week. They had no idea. They had no business out there on the field. It was a different game completely. And I, I, I don't know. I I'd hate to blame. I'm going maybe a fan view of Trevor, of uh, Trevor Lawrence. And I'm blaming Doug Peterson, right? What did you guys do over the bye week? How did you get worse on the bye week? Cause you didn't look great. So I, I'm I'm just I'm not blaming Doug. I'm not saying that, but where I was wrong is that Jags team has got some real, real problems and it's deeper than just Urban Myers, right? That was the stink, that was the thing that we gave them last year, right? They had the Urban Myers stink around them. They they've got something real around them right now. They need to shake it off. They they gotta get back on winning because those Texans aren't letting up. Yeah, nope, I'm, I'm with you. I think that would be a wrong pick for sure. And when I was wrong, we already touched on it. I picked the Falcons to beat the Cardinals because I thought the Cardinals were just the worst team. Um, clearly, I was wrong. Falcons are the worst team. So um, I got to go ahead and go with um, – got to go. I was wrong with the Falcons. So I will uh, officially now. So they're officially – and obviously, if they play each other, I haven't looked at this, but there are officially three teams that I will never, for the rest of the season, I will not pick to win a game. Patriots, Giants, and Falcons. Every other team, I, I would be confident in saying, okay, I could at least see them possibly winning. Not maybe guaranteeing it, right? Like Tennessee, will they win another game? I don't know. Panthers, will they win another game? I don't know. But like for sure, like if I'm looking at it and it's like picking wise, like I will, I just will not. Like there cannot be anything that could happen. A mediator could fall into the sky and knock out the entire opposing team that week, and I would still not pick them to win. So they're dead to me. Um, and so they're just the bottom of the barrel teams, and um, just from top to bottom, they're just not good. And um, no. yeah, so I was wrong for picking the Falcons, and won't have to pick again. Believe me, you. Yep, yep. I this week I'm on I'm on your side, right? Falcons are dead to me. They might come out and score like 25 and look really good, and I might drink yeah, their potion week, again. They're gonna, right? Yeah, they're gonna. <laughs> they're on bye week, but they're on bye week. I might fall, fall in love with them on bye week. <laughs> something's gonna something's gonna happen where all of a sudden it's gonna be like, oh, it turns out Bijan Robinson has been wearing the wrong cleats the whole time, and then all of a sudden they're gonna be like, oh, right back on there. Oh my gosh, Super Bowl. <gasps> I never picked it for a Super Bowl. Knock that off. <laughs> All right. That's, All that right. does it for a recap. Yeah, that does it for the Week 10 recap. So let's go ahead and move on to the Week 11 preview. 
Um, and let's go with, man, this is a, well, Sunday Night Football, TBD. Um, but Thursday and Monday night, we got some great games here, especially this Thursday night matchup. There's a lot riding on Thursday, Jay. So we've got the um, Cincinnati Bengals visiting the Baltimore Ravens Thursday night, a battle of divisions, um, a battle against two teams coming off of devastating losses. Um, Bengals absolutely needing this win. Ravens can lose and still survive. Bengals do or die. Chase, break us down this game. Yeah, so this is, we've been talking about it almost all podcasts now. These AFC North teams, they don't, they play each other, they play each other hard, and they struggle to beat each other, right? And the king of struggling to win in the AFC North is the king of the AFC North himself, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow has to have a losing record against all of his AFC North opponents. I don't know if that's factual, but it just seems like it. Man, he cannot win in the AFC North. But this is a game, the Bengals, having lost that other one, having had that really pitiful start at the beginning of the year, they've got to get this one if they want to stay in playoff contention. Not even division contention, playoff contention. And the Ravens, right, they they were they were on the top of the world, right? Media outlets and pundits like us were crowning them. We weren't, but they were crowning them the king of the AFC, right? And now they're kind of on a on a plummet. They need a win to kind of get back up there and and remain top dogs. And I'll give you my pick. I'm keeping the Ravens up there. I think the Ravens bounce back. They don't lose two division games in a row where the Bengals continue their free fall like they have been all year. Listen, that's um, this is some pulling up their schedule here. So for for the Bengals. Um, this is a must win for the Bengals Chase. So they've got two two divi- so they so they got two division games back to back. So they've got Baltimore, they've got Pittsburgh. They have to go to Jacksonville. Jacksonville is just we don't really know what we're getting from. They have the Colts, this eh, that can be feisty, but man, Minnesota, feisty, Steelers again, then Chiefs, and then Cleveland again, right? Which you know how much they show against Cleveland. So Honestly, this there's some definitely some winnable games here. This is why we're talking about here. I don't see how I think the the Bills schedule is way harder upcoming than the Bengals is. So that's why I was kind of pushing back is how Bengals have a lower percentage of making the playoffs than the Bills do because when you look at the Bills, the Bills have to go through you know the Jets, the Jets who beat them, the Patriots who beat them. The Dolphins, who they dominated, but at, at Miami, we'll see what happens. But they have to go to at Philly, at Kansas City, versus the Cowboys, and even at the Chargers. So, like, to me, that schedule is way more difficult than what the Bengals have. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that what they're saying, I don't think they give the Chargers, Patriots, Dolphins, or, or Jets any love in the analytics sides, right? Because they're not really winning football teams. I don't think the because that was just number crunching, right? The statisticals to make the playoffs. I think that's all that is, is number crunching. I don't think they see like divisional games, right? That that Patriots game is not the worst team against the Bills. It's a divisional game where both of them played really hard. So I think that's what that is. You know, they don't put in that human emotion to it. It's just pure numbers, but yeah, back to the Bengals. Back to the Bengals. Anyway, um, listen, this is, this is do or die. If I'm, if I'm to stand by my stance that I believe Joe Burrow is the second best quarterback in the NFL, then I have to stick with him and I have to pick them to win this game. Uh, 
they they have been playing extremely well up until that point yesterday where they had that letdown. Could it be they were looking ahead to this game that they kind of got the letdown here? I don't know. Short week coming off. Both teams are coming off losses, so I think both teams are going to play really pissed off. It's going to be a division game, division rivalry. But we forget that they played in week two in the season, and Baltimore only won by three points. So it was a close game, and that was back when the, the Bengals absolutely sucked. right? Joe Burrow was still injured coming off of that. right? They just weren't really doing much. Now they're playing a lot better, and, you know, offensively especially. So um, I, I do think that we're going to get one of those games where Joe Burrow kind of not turns the corner, but kind of they turned the corner. I think the biggest turn the corner was that that San Francisco game, right? Yes. Played phenomenal. I think that's the Joe Burrow we're gonna get on Thursday against the Ravens because that is the Joe Burrow this team needs if they want to make the postseason, right? If they lose this game, they can still get in there, but it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. Um, it's gonna be extremely hard. So I think the the yeah, so if I'm to stand by my stance that I think Joe Burrow is the second-best quarterback in the league, I have to pick him to win this game. So I'm riding with the Bengals to go into the Ravens and get the win. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. It, I think it's going to be a very close game. It's going to be almost a must-watch. Must it's going to be the best Thursday night football game we've got in a very long time. Yeah, no, I for sure. Absolutely. And we got the Sunday night game where the Minnesota Vikings are taking on the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos obviously coming off of two big wins against the Chiefs and against the Bills last night. Vikings also coming off of great wins. They're on the current win streak here with, you know, with Kirk Cousins and post Kirk Cousins with Joshua Dobbs coming in playing really, really well. Um, Should be a good matchup there at mile high. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't like how you worded that. Broncos coming off of three big wins against the Packers, Chiefs, and Bills. Like, why, why'd you cut right off before the... All right, all right, moving on. <laughs> all right, but no, <laughs> this, is, this, is a, uh, this isn't as interesting or big game as the other two primetime games. This is just a fun game, right? Josh Dobbs is turning this Vikings team into a fun football team, right? They're winning games. They're not even... They're winning close games. Like, technically, that was a one-score game. The Vikings kind of had it in control. Josh Dobbs is kind of making this Vikings offense fun, like it should have been before... Anyway, right? He's doing things that Kirk Cousins, you know, couldn't do. Running out of the pocket where he jumped over that that pylon for that touchdown that was like in, insane, right? Adding a little rushing attack that the the Vikings have missed since releasing Delvin. And the Broncos are finally playing winning football, right? Even with that uh, big goof as a head coach, Sean Payton, they're playing winning football. Russell Wilson is kind of padding his stats, making his stats look a little better than they are. But they're winning games. Corton Sutton's finally became that wide receiver that we've seen before his injury spree, right? They started like back in 2020, I think it was. He tore his Achilles or something. Then he's had these bag injuries. He's finally becoming that primary wide receiver that we've seen before. So I think this is going to be a very fun game. Um, this, for some reason, I got the Broncos, and I don't think it's uh, – maybe it's a close game, but I think the Broncos kind of control it. I don't, I don't have any really reason for that. I just got to thinking that, you know, my heart's saying Broncos, they're on a winning streak. They're going to continue it. The Vikings, I think Dobbs, you know, we kind of seen it at the beginning there. He's a fun guy, but he kind of wears down, right? He's like the newer version of Fitzmagic. I think this might be the game where he kind of starts to sizzle. That's so funny you mentioned that. Cause that's, that was like, that's the reason why I'm picking the Vikings because I think he's got that Fitzmagic in him. Like that, that's gonna, that's going to, 
stop eventually. It's going to run out, right? The Santa Claus watch is going to run out eventually. Um, but I don't think I don't think it runs out this week. I don't think the Broncos, as as you know, as well as they've as well you know as they played, I just don't think they put really together two games against the Bills or the Chiefs. I really think those teams beat themselves. Um, and the Vikings are just kind of playing. They just they're kind of playing free right now. Yeah. I feel like they just have this. I mean, they have every reason in the world to not really care because you know you lose. You know, Justin Jeff, you start off the way you did one and what four. Right. Um, Justin Jefferson gets injured. Your best wide receiver. You thought, I don't know. Kirk Cousins goes in, plays well, gets some win games, beats the 49ers, right? Playing well. And then tears his Achilles. He's out. Then you think, ah, okay, we lost our quarterback, whatever. You know what's going to happen. You know, it's kind of throw the season away. But no, the Josh Job comes in. You have that crazy game against the Falcons. Then he plays that crazy game. It's saying, so like all this stuff is kind of going on where they just are like just playing free without, you know, any inhibitions. And so I just think like that is the kind of game you need to go into against these Broncos team. I think the Chiefs were too uptight. I think the Bills were playing too uptight. And I think that's why they lost. I think you need to come in, play free play backyard football in the sense of it's just fun. You're just playing football. That's what the yeah. the Vikings really are playing like. And I think that's going to be the key to success to beat the Broncos. Plus, I really do believe Justin Jefferson's coming back. That's obviously going to add that dynamic factor in there. Um, but even if he's not out there, I still pick in the Vikings. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the, the real key matchup to watch with these two, right, is the Broncos defense after getting completely embarrassed by the Dolphins. You know, they forced like, what, 10 turnovers in the last three games. Maybe 11 turnovers, I think, two against the Packers, five against the Chiefs, th- four against the Broncos. 11 turnovers the last three games. Josh Dobbs and the Vikings haven't really been turning the ball over as much as Kirk Cousins led Vikings because Josh Dobbs is better. But that's a co- conversation for another day. So they will – you know, that's kind of kind of the clash. Is that Broncos defense back or was it just like a, a fluke game where these, these quarterbacks had off games? Which I kind of think it's the latter, but who knows? Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Uh, should be a fun to watch, though, regardless. Let's go to Monday Night Football. We got a Super Bowl rematch where the Philadelphia Eagles are taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, these are always fun. I love these these Super Bowl rematches. Um, this would I think this one would have been kind of more fun, like towards the beginning of the season, where that kind of that game is a little more fresh. By now, you know, over halfway the season, you kind of forgot about it. I'm sure the Eagles haven't forgotten about it. You know, they want the chance to get the revenge, but like it kind of has like fans who kind of sitting there. It's like, it doesn't have as much ump for me as it would have coming on earlier in the season, but still should be a very fun match. Case, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I think the, you, you know, there's these teams don't get worse right after winning the Super Bowl. The only team that regressed really bad after winning the Super Bowl was Matt Stafford's uh, all in Vikings or not Vikings, sorry, all in Rams, right? They regressed immediately after winning. So these teams should be really good. Uh, the one really elite game that Jalen Hurts has played this year has come on Sunday night football against the Dolphins. He looked like the Jalen Hurts we've seen a lot of last year. Other than that, he's looked off and on. Pat Mahomes has had up and down games this year. Hasn't looked like the steady, you know, best quarterback in the NFL every week that we've seen from Pat and we know that Pat is. So I'm hoping that both of these quarterbacks are on because I just want to shoot out, right? It's going to be interesting because now the defenses are kind of back on par with each other, right? I think that that Eagles defense is a little more real than it was last year. I mean, you know, they're not getting talked about as the best defense of all time like they were last year, a little bit more on par. And that Chiefs defense is definitely a step better than they were last year. All those rookies they had playing in the Super Bowl took the sophomore jump instead of the sophomore slump. So it's going to be real fun to see. No, I 
with you. You didn't give me your pick there. Are you saving that or? Are you... Oh no no no! I'll give my pick. I'm going Chiefs. Okay. Going with yeah. So uh, yeah, so I agree with a lot of what you said, right? I think the biggest difference is going to be the Chiefs' defense, right? The Chiefs' defense really really struggled to stop um, the Eagles last year in the Super Bowl. All right, they had that one final play that they're able to get that punt return, and that kind of turned the tide. Um, but it took it took Mahomes and the offense literally they had to play a perfect second half to come back and win that Super Bowl. Literally perfect, scored touchdown on every drive besides that final kneel down, right where they're able to ice know, to game, win. Yeah, so ice the game. They literally had to play perfect. We this we have not seen that um, so far <laughs> yes. where they've been able to put together an entire half, right? Besides maybe the Bears game, but I don't count that, uh, right? They've gone through stretches where like a quarter really good, a quarter at the beginning, a quarter at the end, but they've gone through really long stretches. And so obviously the potential is there where they can come out and they can do it. But with this defense, obviously it's going to help, right? Because the defense was not good last year, they had to play perfect. This year, so far, we've seen they haven't had to play perfect. They really had to kind of just be mediocre to kind of get the job done because that defense has held them, which I still think should be able to happen. The Chiefs have been locking down opponents' star receivers all season so far. I would expect that to continue against A.J. Brown. The good news is is that this is coming off of the Chiefs' bye. We know how good Andy Reid is coming off of the bye. This is coming at a perfect time. Obviously, it's a Monday night game, so an extra day of rest, extra day of preparation as well. Um, Eagles are also coming off a bye, so you have to give that you know to them as well. But it's a home game for the Chiefs, so you know more prepared. Plus, Andy Reid is undefeated against his former Eagles. He always plays the Eagles super well. So a lot of things, you know, it's at home and Arrowhead prime time. A lot of things that are stacking up for this to be a really good game, but a Chiefs victory. I think that the Chiefs' offense right is going to be. I don't think it's going to come out and be like the Super Bowl half great. I still think it's going to be good. I think we'll score about, I think we should reach about 30 points to win this game. Um, and then I think the defense does enough to hold them to around 20 at some point. So I think that, um, I think that is, this is a Chiefs win for those reasons. Obviously you got to credit the bye. You got to credit the home field. Um, you got to credit who it is. Eagles, even though the Eagles are going to come in hungry, right? We've seen what teams have come. Tyreek Hill, the offense came in hungry against the Chiefs. We saw they weren't able to do anything. That was one of the best uh, best offense in the league. So I'm not worried. I know this defense can hold the Eagles down um, as well. It's going to be if the offense is going to do enough to kind of get up there and put us points. And I'm feeling confident coming off of the bye that they'll be able to do so. So I got my Chiefs win um, this game Monday night. Yeah, no, I agree with you for about everything. that You know, we kind of summed it up pretty well. For Chiefs up. Well, those are the primetime games. Let's go ahead and go through our lock picks. Jason, with your lock pick. Yes, my lock pick, I think it's just simple. I think the Browns are the best defense in the NFL. I think they've proven that. So I'm locking Browns over Steelers. I wasn't impressed with the Steelers. The Packers should have beat them. Browns over Steelers. Yeah, no, I like I like that. I I, I would I wouldn't fight you on that one. I think the the Browns should win that game as well. This was kind of a hard game, hard one to pick because I usually try to make my lock picks kind of close. But I feel like there's a lot of lopsided matchups here this week. Yes. Um, very lopsided. So, um, obviously, for, for my locks, if you don't do, um, or what I wanted to do is my lock is going to be is going to be the Houston Texans over the Cardinals. Um, this is, um, I think this will be the biggest home crowd in recent memory at the Texans this weekend. 
right? They're they're good now. They're winning. They're playing hot. Um, I think that that place is going to be crazy. I've been to some. T- I've been to some Texan games recently. I went to one last year. I went to one early this year. There were like no Texans fans there. Um, very very poor showing from fans. Um, and obviously, right, they haven't been good, right? So you can kind of understand that, right? But now that they are good. I think that even CJ Stroud said, guys, pull up, come on out. Like, we want you loud. I think the city and those fans will respond to that, and they're going to come out. It's going to be loud. It's going to be booming. And obviously, even with Kyler Murray back, I still don't think the Cardinals are that good of a team. The Texans are hot. Um, I, I love the Texans this week, and so they're my lock pick. Yeah, no, I, I won't fight you on that. As much as I love Kyler Murray, that Texans team is playing – with something to prove. So, yeah. All right. Upsets. Now, this has got to be the hardest game to find an upset. Every team that I like is just favored. Like you said, a bunch of lopsided matchups. So, I'm, you know, I pick the, I'm going to pick this. You're probably going to get this a lot over me. I'm going to pick my team every week because I'm a fan first, uh, you know, pun it later. I'm, I'm, my upset is Packers over Chargers. That defense is, is, I think that defense is, might be one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Jordan Love looked really, really good against a solid defense in the Steelers. So I'm going to go, there's a shot that the Packers win this game. So I'm not going to, I mean, I, I'll pick the Chargers to win this game just because I think the Chargers just offensively will be able to better. yeah, to, to be better there with Green Bay. Um, plus we've seen kind of sporadic things of, of Jordan Love in that offense, right? What are we going to get? Or what was last week an indicator of kind of what they're going to be moving forward and just build upon that? Or they kind of go to rest, right? You know what I'm kind of getting from the Chargers' offense, and so um, absolutely, yeah. So I got to go. I got to go to the Chargers there. Um, but I, I'm not mad about the upset. Uh, that upset pick. Uh, my upset alert um, is going to be the Rams over the Seahawks. Now, obviously, the Rams already won this game once to start off Week One. Obviously, for the most part, you can kind of throw Week One out the window. Crazy things happen. Kind of disregard it. Um, obviously, the last we got a look at the Rams, they sucked, but Matthew Stafford wasn't playing. They're coming off the bye. He's coming back, and he's healthy. If he's healthy, immediately this team has a shot. Now, obviously, they're not going to win every game, but they at least have a shot. Seahawks have not been playing well. They have not been playing well, right? They got completely blown out by the Ravens. They scraped by against the Commanders. Um, and you now they come up against a divisional opponent here. They've already lost two once. And so... Um, it's just, it's tough for me to feel confident in Seattle when they have not played very well at all. Um, and so I think that they are definitely on upset alert here against the Rams. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I can see that happening. I'm going to take the Seahawks. I don't agree that much, but I could definitely see that happening. And I don't think I have as much faith as Matthew Stafford as you do. I don't think he's either the X factor of this game at all. I think he's kind of not good, but Cooper Cup, Puka Naku are real receivers, and the Seahawks have not looked like the Seahawks we hoped and thought they would. So I'm, I'm not I'm not upset about the upset. I think it was like a one and a half point game anyway by Vegas odds, right? So I, they they are calling it the Rams won the first game. Aaron Donald can wreak havoc. I can see it happening. There you go. Those are our upset picks. Now it's time to hit our big game preview. So we'll go ahead and wrap up this episode by previewing two big games with massive playoff implications here in this upcoming week. Chase, what is your big game preview? Yeah, my big game preview is teams that we've, again, we've been talking about all podcast long. Jets against Bills, right? And that, we, we've talked about it. The Bills have coming off of two really bad losses in the 
in the primetime slot, right? Playing the Jets, which Josh Allen has uh, tortured them, or Josh Allen's been tortured by them, right? In the first game of the season, his definitely his worst game by far. They lost the first one. And uh, this could be, right, Ken Dorsey leaves their offense, you know, same offense, different play caller, different plays and situations. I'm still taking the Bills, though, right? This Jets team, as good as their defense is, and their defense is good, very, very good. They can't score touchdowns. That's not changing, right? That's something fundamentally uh, wrong with the Jets right now. It's not – does I don't think it matters who they really play. I think they'll struggle playing touchdowns against even the Patriots or the Giants, right? They did struggle against the Giants scoring touchdowns. These Jets cannot do it. And against Josh Allen, as much picks he's going to throw, as much as crap as you want to throw his way, he is going to score touchdowns, right? He's got 19 of them things right now. And that's just through the air. So Josh Allen's going to come out with a victory going bet Bills over Jets. Listen, I mean, this is what I, you know, I, I almost picked the Broncos last week to, to, to pick that. I said, I wouldn't be shocked the Broncos win. So it's going to be those things where these teams, the Jets and the Bills are just so similar right now where they're just not playing well at all. Right. And then when the Bills finally score a touchdown, their defense lets it up. And then the, the Jets, when they score a touchdown, there's a penalty that gets called back. Uh, so it's just it's just so struggling, but uh, I I gotta agree with you. I think it's gotta be it's gotta be the Bills. Um, I just yeah. um, when it comes down to it, Josh Allen and the offense is better than Zach Wilson and the offense. And so even though it's gonna be a close game, I don't think it's gonna be a masterclass by any team by any means. But I think the Bills will do enough to to get the win um, against against the Jets against their division. So I, I got to go with that as well. My big game preview is another uh, matchup. We kind of talked about it already, but it's Steelers at Browns. Um, so both both teams have the same record right now. They're both six and three already having played once. So the Steelers won already. So they already have the tiebreaker based on head at one percentage. So the Browns in order, if the Steelers win this game, they are set up very well um, to compete in the division, but also, you know, solidify that wild card spot over the Browns because they'll have that double head to head win. And so obviously the Browns need to win this one so they can get that even and then kind of beat them out as they move forward. Uh, they already, we've talked about how this division always goes one and one. The Steelers already won at home. So I got to go with the Browns um, at home and here, but the playoff implications here within the division, within the conference are huge. Like besides the Ravens and Bengals game, this is the other one that has the biggest implications this week, right? We get two division games in the same division, you know, in the same week, um, and which is crazy when it's not a week 17 matchup. Right? Yeah. This is a week 11 matchup, 11. and we get that here. Where the division is the, is the most competitive division in the AFC by far. And so, you know, all these teams are going to, you know, play each other, beat each other out. But um, I got to go with the Browns at home getting upset because they look like they are – at this point in the season, playing way better football than what the Browns are, or what the the Steelers are playing. Yeah, no, I agree a hundred percent. That is that is big. So, I, I, that's my lock pick. I'm right with you. That Browns defense, like I said, I I honestly think they might be the number one just because of what who they face and what they've done against them. So, and Deshaun Watson can just be a little bit better than PJ Walker. They can win this game. Yeah, just a little bit. All right. Just a little bit. Well, there we go. That wraps up our week 11 preview. Let's go ahead and give our official picks for the entire week. Chase, go ahead. Yeah. So I've got Ravens, Browns, Texans over the Cardinals, Jags over the Titans, Dolphins over the Raiders, Cowboys over the Panthers, Lions over the 
the Bears. I'm picking the Packers over the Chargers, uh, Commanders over the Giants, Niners over the Bucks, Bills over Jets, Seahawks over Rams, Broncos beating the Vikings, and then I'm going Chiefs with the Monday night. All right, all right, I'll hit you with mine here. So I got the Bengals winning on Thursday night in a do-or-die game. Joe Burrow and the offense rises to the challenge. I got the Browns. I got the Lions. I got the Chargers. got the Dolphins. Commanders over the lousy Giants. Cowboys are going to dominate the Panthers. Jacksonville rebounds against the struggling Tennessee. Houston, my lock pick against the Cardinals. San Francisco over Tampa. Bills win. I got the Rams against Seattle. I'm picking Vikings over Denver. And, of course, the hometown Chiefs get the win Monday night. Yeah, love it. Not that much different. So, Not much different there, but some super fun and exciting games to watch here this week starting on Thursday. So, obviously, you'll be hearing this on a Wednesday. So, um, get you ready there for this upcoming week. So, if you haven't already, like, comment, subscribe, share with a friend, share with the family. Let's all enjoy this week 11 together. We'll catch you next time here on All Things Football.